All right, let's go to the book of Acts this morning, chapter 9. I'm happy to make acquaintance with your pastor and his family and the blessing to see that God supplies pastors when a church is in need of one. And that is God's work, isn't it, to supply that need. There is a shortage of good Bible pastors all over the world. One of the things that we're constantly facing on the mission field is trying to find pastors for churches. And often the wrong kind of men want the church. And so we have to protect them and help them as Paul did, helping them get pastors for each church that he established. In the ninth chapter, I begin reading in verse 20. This is concerning the conversion and the call to the ministry of the Apostle Paul and the results that took place as a consequence to his conversion and call. Bible says, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt in Damascus proving that this is very Christ. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying await was known of Saul, and they watched the gate day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas, thank God for Barnabas, took him and brought him to the apostles and declared how that he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Jerusalem in the name of Jesus. This morning I'd like to speak to you on the subject, holding the ropes. This is, first of all, a missionary message, but also a missionary, a a message to a congregation to help us understand our responsibilities to the man of God as a congregation of believers. And here you see the conversion of this man who was the enemy of God, the enemy of Christ, the enemy of the church, who had dedicated himself to doing everything he could to destroy the Lord's work. That's what he was dedicated to, believing that he was doing God's work. See, religion sometimes 
is a destroyer that thinks they're doing God's work. That was the case here. But as a result of his conversion, as a result of the subject he preached, because now he is preaching a message he did not before even believe himself. He believed that Jesus was an imposter, that he should not be followed, that he should not be believed, that he was not God in the flesh, and that he certainly wasn't the promised Messiah. Now he goes into the very synagogues that preached what he used to preach, and he preaches that Jesus is the Christ. That means Jesus is Messiah. Now he has been totally, completely converted. Inside and out, upside and down. He's been truly converted to Jesus Christ. That's the only kind of real salvation that God offers. A complete conversion, a complete change in everything in your life. This man made a total change in his life. As a result... Many of the friends that he had before he was saved have now become his enemies. And they are in hot pursuit of this man. Danger is lurking all around this man. And uh, he was in need of help if his ministry was not going to end soon after his conversion. Because they were dedicated to his destruction. Night and day they were waiting at the gate of Damascus for him to come through so that they could kill him. Someone decided they were going to help this man. They got a basket. Now that had to be a pretty good basket to get a man in. And if you're going to have a basket and let it down over a wall, you're going to have to have some ropes attached to it. And you're going to have to have some people holding the ropes in order to give him the escape that he needs here. The escape that he was given by his new friends against his former friends allowed him to literally continue his ministry. Holding the ropes for this man of God literally enabled him to go on with a ministry that became one of the most outstanding ministries ever in existence. Starting many churches, many young men called to preach under his ministry writing 14 books of the Bible under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, none of that would have happened if somebody hadn't held the rope on that occasion. See, that's, we don't know their names. And we don't know if they had a Bible education. We don't know if they went to Bible college, but they held the ropes. And what an important uh, action that turned out to be. See, there are uh, different occasions in the Bible where people who are unnamed helped the men of God so that they could continue to do their work. I'd like you to go with me now to the 
book of Joshua in the Old Testament, clear back to chapter 2 of Joshua. And I want you to look with me at verse 15. Here's an occasion where the children of Israel are about to enter into the promised land. A group of spies were sent by them into the land to see what the conditions were, what they were going to face when they got in there. So they went in secretly on a dangerous mission. Sometimes God sends his servants into places where there is danger. Even yet today, that is true. And uh, these men became acquainted with a harlot woman who had heard about their God, who had changed her life, who had allowed God to convert her, who was now a believer, and they became acquainted with her, and she knew how dangerous their assignment was. And so the Bible says here, she helped them leave the city under safety so that they could get their message back to the camp of Israel. This is what it says in verse 15. Then she let them down by a cord through the wall for her house was upon the town wall and she dwelled upon the wall. Here is a woman who had before she was saved a bad reputation. You see, God can use you when he converts you no matter what your past was. No matter how you lived before you were saved, once Jesus saves you, you are able to serve him if you're willing and want to. And so here is a woman who used a rope, and I'm going to call that the rope of deliverance. By faith, she, God took possession of her heathen soul. She heard what God had been doing for the Israelites. She gave proof of her faith in God by the choice that she made. See, you don't only get saved. There's evidence of salvation when it truly takes place. And that was the case here. And in, uh, in fact, so important was what she did for these men of God that we can now go to the book of Hebrews and we can look in chapter 11 of Hebrews and even in the New Testament, we can read about her. A woman who held the ropes to deliver these servants of God. Listen to what it says in verse 30 and verse 31. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. So even in the New Testament, God honors the faith of this woman and her willingness to hold the ropes to deliver these men by mentioning her name 
in the New Testament. So there are ropes that you and I can hold on that I call ropes of deliverance. We can actually be the tool that delivers somebody from danger. And especially men of God who have an assignment from God who may be in a dangerous area and need the help of children of God just to hold the ropes. You don't have to have a Bible education. You don't have to be a graduate of a Bible college to hold the ropes for God. See, Sometimes preachers, sometimes your missionaries are in danger, and you may not even know it. Sometimes your pastor may be in danger, and you may not even know it. Some years ago, I was preaching in Costa Rica, and a preacher's wife, who could speak some English, came up to me after the service. And she said, Preacher, do you know where you were? And she gave me a certain date. Well, I'm in so many places, I don't know unless I could look at the calendar. I said, I don't know. Well, she said, on that date, I was working in my kitchen, and she said, God spoke to me, laid on my heart, that I should stop right now and pray for Brother Smith. And she said, I went in the living room where my husband was, and I said, husband, we got to stop and get on our knees and pray for Brother Smith right now. Now, God impressed her to do that. And I may have been in some danger that I didn't even know I was in. But he led that little preacher's wife to hold the ropes for me, whatever I happened to be facing. See, you never know what danger lies ahead whenever you're in the Lord's work and you never know what your prayers and holding the ropes for that individual may result in. See, these men were able to accomplish their task, report back to camp, and gave the advantage of Israel over that city. Then I want you to uh, also go to the prophecies of Jeremiah, chapter 38. In the 38th chapter of Jeremiah, I'm going to read verse 11. By the way, as we turn there, the prophets had such powerful messages from God Uh, messages that contained the judgment hand of God that was going to fall on Israel. As a result, most of the prophets were hated by the people. And they did everything they could to get rid of these prophets, to interfere with them, so that they could not accomplish their ministry. Jeremiah was one of those men. If you read the book of Jeremiah and you read the words that God gave him that he had to deliver to the people, it was not a popular message. It would anger people who heard what he had to say. Even though the message was from God, they would take it, take it out on the prophet. (laughs) Look at verse 11, chapter 38. So Abimelech took the men with him and went into the house of the king under the treasury and took thence old cast cloths and old rotten rags 
and let them down by cords into the dungeon to Jeremiah. And this is what happened. The people hated Jeremiah's message from God. So they got the authorities to move against him and to put him in a dungeon. And at the bottom of that dungeon was a mud-like substance that he was sinking down into. If nothing further had happened, that prophet of God would have died there. And whatever ministry God had planned for him would have never been accomplished. But here is a man who uses um, ingenuity (laughs) and he gets some old rags and some rotten rags and he ties them all together and he makes a rope out of them and he puts them down there to Jeremiah and pulls him up. Had to be a miracle of God to strengthen rotten stuff to even get that done. (laughs) When you think about it. And as a result, he used what I'm going to call the rope of escape. And he brought him out of that hole. And Jeremiah was able to go on with his ministry unhampered. See, So that rope was a very important rope. That man was a very important man. We don't know anything else about him. All we know is that he provided a rope. And he got the prophet of God out of the hole. Out of a place where death was about to occur. God's prophet was sentenced to death here. He was sinking down in what was called the mire or the mud of the prison. But they lifted him out by the use of some homemade ropes. The ropes of escape. There are all kinds of ropes that you and I can use to help in the work of the Lord. You might never know who's in the basket when you hold on to a rope. See, who would have imagined all that this Saul of Tarsus, who was in that basket being let down that day, would accomplish in his lifetime? Who would have imagined what would have never happened if those ropes had not been held that day by somebody? See, We're easy to criticize one another, but we ought to be very willing to hold on to the ropes for each other. Amen? You never know who's in the dungeon sinking into the miry clay when you hold on to the ropes. You never know who's in danger when you're on your knees praying for them. I haven't been in danger that I knew of very often, but there have been occasions. I was in Mexico some years ago, and the missionary wanted me to go out and preach in this village church that night. And he said, now I need to tell you a little story about it before we go. You might not want to go. (laughs) And he said, "Uh, the pastor of our church out there 
the little Mexican pastor, had angered by his preaching and his ministry the Catholic priest of that village. So the Catholic priest got some of his men to deliberately desecrate some of the items in the Catholic church so that then he could blame it on that pastor and his people. And that's what he told. He told the story that that pastor, that Baptist preacher over there came and desecrated some of our articles in our church. So when the pastor showed up to his church, a group of men were there to meet him and they beat him severely so bad that both of his eyes closed shut and bruises all over his body and then they left him there. Left him, like the Bible says, for dead. But he didn't die. God raised him up. And he said, now you're going to that church tonight to preach. I just wanted you to know that. (laughs) And, of course, uh, we went, and God took care of us. Somebody perhaps was holding the ropes for us. We don't know, you know. You just never know what's going on when you're in a situation like that. Two or three times that's happened to me in my ministry and people all over the world have said to me, Preacher, I pray for you every day. They're holding the ropes. See, they're holding the ropes. Every missionary needs somebody to hold the ropes. Amen? Every preacher needs somebody to hold the ropes. You may not have a lot of talent, but you can hold ropes. You may not be able to sing. You may not be able to teach, but you can hold ropes. See? That's how important rope holding is. When you pray, that's a means of holding the ropes. When you are faithful to the services of the house of God, that's holding the ropes. When I pastored and sat up here on the platform, I watched the people as they came in. It encouraged me if they all showed up. It discouraged me just before I had to preach if I saw places where they used to sit and they weren't there. See, It had that effect upon me. The very fact that they came and they took their place in the house of God meant somebody was holding the ropes for me. See, And that helped me when I stood to preach and deliver the word of God. I used to watch people come in. I'd sit there and watch them. I'd say, I wonder where so-and-so is. I wonder where they are today. See, I started doing that because if they were missing, they were not holding the rope that day. If they were there, they had hold of the rope. That gives confidence. When you give the tithe and the offering in obedience to Christ, you're holding the ropes. See, if you come and you just steal from God and take a free ride, you're not holding the ropes for a church. If you don't give to missions, you're not holding the ropes for that missionary. See, when you give encouragement to somebody, especially God's man, you're holding the ropes. I used to work on the staff of my home church with my pastor and one day he called me and said, I want you to come in the office and sit down. 
I was just a young kid preacher, 20 years old. And uh, he said, sit down, I want to talk to you. And he was on the other side of the desk, of course, had this big, huge desk. The desk even scared me, you know. He was, he was my hero, but I feared him. <laughs> and he pulled out the middle drawer, and he took out a stack of letters with a rubber band wrapped around them, and he pushed it over toward me, and he said, just take any one of them and open it and read it. So I just picked one, and I opened it, and it was a letter from my mother to our pastor. And uh, I read it, and it kind of went like this. It said, Preacher, I just wanted to write you and tell you that we love you, we're supporting you, we're behind you, you can count on us. We know you're going through a hard time right now. We know there are some people who are fighting you. Don't give up, preacher. Stay with it. You'd have to know my mother to know how she wrote those letters. And he said to me, he said, every letter on that stack is just like that. And he said, about the time that I needed somebody to hold the rope, I got a letter from your mother. See, my mother was a rope holder. See, she didn't sing in the choir and she didn't do a lot of other things that her health wouldn't allow her to do. But my mother was a prayer warrior. She was a rope holder. Whenever I started out in the ministry young while she was still alive, God told my mother things that he didn't even tell me he told her. And I would be in a, I'd be in a fight against the devil somewhere and my phone would ring and it would be my mother. And she would say, son, I called you because God said, call your son, he's in trouble. She knew it. I didn't tell her, but she knew it. And she was holding the ropes of a powerful thing called prayer. When my mother died, I went home and I found little notes that she had written to God, prayers, all over the house. And one of them, she'd be praying for her husband. One of them, she'd be praying for one of her kids and so forth. They were all over the house. She was a prayer warrior. She was a rope holder. I felt sorry for myself because I had lost my prayer warrior. <laughs> and I said, what am I going to do now? She's gone. And God don't speak to you in an audible voice, but he gave me a thought. And I thought, you know, my mom has been talking to God long distance about me all this time. Now all she has to do is put in a local call. <laughs> She's a rope holder. See, you can be a rope holder for your church. You can be a rope holder for your pastor. You can be a rope holder for your family. How important it is to hold the rope at home, to keep things right at home, to make that marriage what it ought to be and let those kids. My mom and my dad never, ever had an argument in front of us kids. If they did, they closed the bedroom door and settled it in there. We never knew. We never saw them argue, fuss, or fight. 
We never had to say our parents have divorced. See, never. They held the ropes for that preacher, but they also held the ropes in our home for us kids and set a godly and a holy and a precious example that, uh, our, that we kids never forgot. See, you can hold the ropes for a missionary who need, you need to know your missionaries by name in your church. Learn who their names are. Learn their field. See, and in this day and age, with all the easy communications, you can even contact them once in a while and let them know you're praying for them. Pray for them right over Skype and watch them while you pray. You can do all kinds of things. Holding the ropes for those missionaries. You can also, what the songwriter says, throw out the lifeline to sinking sinners that need to be saved. The world around us is lost. We can throw out the rope of salvation and help them to Jesus Christ. That's what every child of God ought to be doing. You don't have to have a Bible education. You don't have to have a lot of talent to hold ropes. Everybody can be a rope holder.